0: Bloody Mary, a podcast about horror movies, feminism, and sexuality. I'm your host, Chicago comic Kristen Lighty. Hey, tonight we have with us Holly Craig. Hey, Holly. Hey. Hey, Holly, why don't you let the listeners know a little bit about the work that you do here in Chicago?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm an organizer. I have been for a number of years um, here in Chicago, before that in Minneapolis. Um, I work uh, primarily with a group called Moms United Against Violence and Incarceration, um, And uh, we work with a number of other community-based groups around Chicago. Um, We organize a lot of mutual support around families who've been personally impacted by incarceration, um, particularly moms and their children. And we also work a lot with women who have been criminalized for acts of self-defense, criminalized related to violence um, that they're surviving, um, domestic violence, um, violence in community. And uh, we do a number of things with other groups, including a program called Reunification Ride, where we bring kids to see their moms every month, moms who are incarcerated at Logan Mm -hmm. here in Illinois
0: yeah you do so much I don't and you're a mom yourself
1: I am a mom yes uh my daughter's five she's turning six uh November 21st in case anyone wants to send a gift um she's probably going to be registered somewhere I'm kidding uh she uh in her mind she she will be um yeah Sophie Lucy Parsons
0: great name
1: yes thank you after the famous anarchist who was uh, said uh, by? It was said by a Chicago police that she was more dangerous than a thousand rioters. Hell yeah! So I
0: have to say, uh, Soph is so young, but already such an amazing social media presence.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, I've amplified her a little there, mm-hmm. but she's uh, yeah, she's definitely her own little person with lots of her own opinions about things.
0: Uh, we were talking the other day, and my favorite thing I saw from her recently is uh, she was fighting with monsters, Oh and yeah. then she said, monsters, you have to love yourself. Yes,
1: <laughs> it was, yeah, I was taken That's aback deepening. by that. Yeah, right?
0: You can tell she has a great mom.
1: Oh, thank mm. you. Her dad's all right, too. Bad you know. dads,
0: they get all the credit. <laughs> Um, no, I was trying to think, like, where I first met, because I feel like the entirety of my organizing career in Chicago, I have just always known you.
1: hmm
0: <laughs> And I like that. Well,
1: we're both from Wisconsin, so in yeah. a way, we have. Yeah. We have. We're probably some kind of cousins.
0: <laughs> Kindred spirits yeah. of high life and sausages.
1: hmm
0: Cool. Well, I'm curious, what is the first horror movie you remember seeing?
1: Uh, yeah, I was trying to remember that because I have seen a lot of horror from a pretty young age, and so, so that my introduction to the genre really is, is more from television, um, like most people, so I remember really clearly watching Dark Shadows <gasps> with my I mom. I
0: loved that show. Oh
1: my gosh, it was a thing that we did together, which was, which was cute. Um,
0: that show was also very sexy.
1: I don't remember that, and I, I probably, if I watched it now, I, I would I would see that and feel uncomfortable that I'd watched it with my mom. But um, but no, I don't remember that. I just remember uh, Barnabas Collins being um, really interesting, and probably I thought he was dreamy. Mm-hmm. Um, And uh, I also remember that for a while I slept with a hand towel around my neck at night (laughs) because I I didn't think it would prevent a vampire attack, but I would have a warning. It was like an early warning system.
0: Yeah, that's smart.
1: Yeah, you know, so, uh, but I loved it, I mean, I, and I, you know, so despite the fact that I was probably a little bit traumatized, <laughs> I, I loved it, and I, I also loved uh, The Twilight Zone, oh. like, that was such a great show. Another great show. Yeah, so I think uh, that was, like, formative, like, I watched a lot of, like, Dark Shadows and Twilight Zone, but also, like, Mr. Rogers and Little House on the Prairie, yeah, I feel so like.
0: you
1: balanced it out. Right? I think that, like, <laughs> formed my personality. <laughs> Um, actually, yeah. <laughs> I, right? <laughs> it's so strange, but true. Um, yeah, so, yeah, but I, I, I actually, the movie that i most distinctly watching first, you know, in the, in the genre of horror was The Exorcist. Really? So, um, oh. and I, you know, and then I read the book, I went to the Red Wing Public Library and checked it out, and I was, I think, 12 maybe. Um, I feel like maybe the librarian should have discouraged me but I, I don't know I mean like, it's not really an appropriate <laughs> book for children there's a lot that's you know scenes that are disturbing in the film are much more so in the book um, and there're just more of them but mm. um, but yeah I, I was I, I remember I was watching I well actually while I was supposed to be babysitting mm-hmm. <laughs> I was 12 or maybe 13 um, and uh, the the mom had a copy of it on VHS, and I just—I remember knowing about it. I remember hearing about it. I remember people talking about how scary mm-hmm. and disturbing it was. So, of course, I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure I periodically checked in on this child, and he, he survived. He's fine. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it was disturbing, um, but so much so that I wanted to read the book because I think I... I was so troubled by it and so interested in it i needed to understand more also about why it affected me so much Mm -hmm. um and i I doubt that i had anybody to really talk with about that also because i wasn't supposed to be watching that movie while i was babysitting so um Mm -hmm. yeah uh but that was the that was the first i'm sure and i was about the same age then as reagan in the movie um, which i'm sure was meaningful to me too although i don't distinctly remember that, thinking about that. Um,
0: yeah, so normally with the film I ask, you know, like, why did you choose The Exorcist? And uh, I feel like, I'm curious, like, at such a young age, what was it about this film that like, really mm. just took you in?
1: Well, I think part of it was that uh, some of the themes explored were uh, are, are things that I was already thinking about, like um, I, my, my family is uh, mostly Protestant, um, and we uh, you know went to church, as I recall occasionally. but <laughs> I don't remember being uh, part of a religious community so much as having uh, religion uh, be uh, promoted as as a threat, really? Oh, like yeah. you know, like if you're not good, like the like the threat <laughs> like there's right like there's the escalation from like Santa's not coming to then you're going to hell (laughs) that was that loomed that loomed large in my life this fear that if I was bad that there would be some consequences that were like uh, again on my soul and and hell sounded terrible so um I so that was part of it just the fear that that I, you know, if I was, if there was something bad about me, and, and maybe I didn't even know what that bad thing was. There was just something bad in me that mm-hmm. that then that would mean that just that I, um, just was going to go to hell, and that I, you know, the terrible things were going to happen to me, and 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 that, and then this feeling too of not being in control of that, like somehow that's been decided for you. Mm-hmm. That that feeling of powerlessness. Yeah, um, and
0: Reagan really portrays that. Yes. Especially yes. Cause her character is so sweet and innocent. Mm-hmm. She just got those little chubby yeah. cheeks you want to pinch, and she's yep. so sweet. And then, of course, you know, there's yeah. a total 180 when she is possessed.
1: Right. And they don't... Give us much of a transition there. They do not. It no. happens really quickly. You don't have the sense of like, oh, don't do that, because you're gonna get possessed by the devil. It mm-hmm. Just, it's just by the time you're aware that something's happening, it's it's too late.
0: Yeah, and they like the one indicator that they gave that it it was possession. It mm-hmm. was the Ouija board, right? Yeah. That she was playing it alone. Yeah. But it was just such a little of like
1: oh right yeah like I'm yeah. painting crafts in the basement and oh yeah
0: mm-hmm. sometimes I, I just play it. with the Ouija board by myself and talk to dead people mom no big deal <laughs> right
1: yeah Captain Howdy oh my gosh yeah
0: so I'm curious what were like the main themes that jumped out at you about this film
1: hmm so I, so again, you know, I watched it when I was so young, and I, I'm not sure what I I thought about other than the the fear that it gave me, and the sense of um, of powerlessness, and this feeling that there could be just something intrinsically bad about me, and that coinciding also at a time when I was transitioning from childhood myself, mm-hmm. and trying to navigate the complexity of that. Um, in rural wisconsin surrounded by overbearing men and uh so it went great it was great (laughs) yeah yeah uh uh so so I, i i mean that still looms large for me when i think about the film but i it's it's been great to watch it again and think about it over the years because there are other things and i think also in becoming a mother too i think about it differently like when I watched it when a kid, I thought, "My God, I would have dumped that kid anywhere." <laughs> like, I what is she doing? Like that she continues to care for this child, and you know, I just I couldn't imagine um, just committing to and an, you know this situation in, in the way that um, Chris McNeil, the the mother, does. Um, and and so so I think there's there's um, there are themes around. Um, her un- unwillingness to dispose of her child, and, and more broadly, I think about just the unwillingness to dispose of another human being, no matter how difficult or challenging or problematic the situation. Um, you know, they, they offer to her at one point, like, oh, you put her in this facility. And she's like, no, no, like, immediately rejects that idea. Yeah, they
0: wanted to put her away for six months. Yeah, too. for
1: like testing and then, you know, probably that would be like indefinite confinement, right? Because mm-hmm. they wouldn't have figured out that she was possessed by the devil because they would not have been looking for that. <laughs> um, um, so, and she's just unwilling to do that. And I, I, I think that's an interesting theme. And I guess I, I, I think about that in, in the way that we think about abolition and the like mm-hmm. work that I do, the idea that, you know, that we have to, always be thinking about how we how we create healing spaces within community and 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 there's this you know move through various reform efforts happening in the last number of years to use uh, mental health systems as a proxy for punishment Mm -hmm. and I don't know that there's any analysis of that in this film necessarily but I do think about it when I look at that and I think about the power of um, the doctors and and you know and how, and, and all these images of, of Reagan being strapped down and confined in different ways, like her wrist bound and um, all the ways that it feels so criminalizing to see what's happening to her and to be afraid of her, legitimately afraid of her watching this mm. film, but also seeing like that there's this there's also this little girl in here and like this is all happening to her. Um, and she, mm-hmm. has, she has no control over what's happening to her. Um, And she's asking for help and, and, um...
0: Yeah, and the mother can't help her. No,
1: no. And she's, and she's trying so hard to do that and she doesn't know where to go and, and, and nobody's really listening to her, um...
0: I also have to say, X-rays in the '70s. Oh my God!
1: Oh, that's punishing, right? Like the the what all that she went through—the sticking needles in her and those loud sounds. Yeah. What the hell do
0: you need to stick a needle in someone's uh, neck to get an X-ray for? Right. And
1: I and the the sounds. Like I thought to myself, like uh, this isn't actually a, twelve, a thirteen. I think when they were filming the movie, like I wonder how much of this she's experiencing and Mm -hmm. how much of it is like sound effects later. Um, Cause that seems really traumatic.
0: Yeah, I had a CAT scan or an MRI, and I was scared, and it was nowhere near as brutal as oh that. Oh my God! Yeah. Like, I couldn't, and also, like you know, I'm a thirty-something-year-old woman. I couldn't imagine being like twelve.
1: Right. Yeah. And it's horrible for her mom, like watching the powerlessness of her mom. And I think about that now as a mother too. What it would be like to see people sticking things in my daughter and thrusting machinery at her and <laughs> strapping <laughs> her down and and feeling like I'm supposed to be advocating for my child and protecting her, and and, and but this is how I'm doing it. Like that's so complex and awful. Mm-hmm. I feel that way every time Sophie has to get a shot.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: She handles it pretty well, though.
0: <laughs> that's great. She's tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing analysis. And I have to say, like, I did not think of that.
1: Well, I don't think I thought of it when I was 12, but, <laughs> <laughs> right, but I, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's stuff that I've thought of watching it again over the last few years, because I watch this movie periodically. It's a movie that has stuck with me, I, it continues to affect me emotionally, um, and I have, you know, just this, this connection to my childhood through this movie, mm-hmm. because those fears about myself and whether or not I was good um and you know were uh powerful and I, you know those memories are um have stayed with me and and i i think about them too because i think i i want to be aware of those things as i watch my daughter grow up and and her self-awareness develop and to like support her in not feeling mm-hmm. strange about herself as she thinks about her body differently and, you know, and, but also to not be weird about that. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. Just like <laughs> thrust conversations on her that she doesn't want to have. Um, but I just, I always want to be able to be like, that's, that's fine, you know, like mm-hmm. talk about that or not talk about that. And um, so I, I just, I, 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 I want her to always feel full of possibility and good about herself and in control of her future. Hmm. Um.
0: I like that you brought up that point because I actually saw in this film um, the possession as metaphor for puberty.
1: Oh, interesting, like, yeah. Like, obviously a very yeah. violent version,
0: um, but, you know, like... That's interesting, yeah. yeah. the relationship with her mother is mm-hmm. severed, her mm-hmm. body is changing, obviously yep. not in a womanly way but you know in a way that you're not accustomed to and I remember being a kid and you get your period and it's like oh holy shit my body's betrayed
1: me yes it's horrible Mm -hmm. yeah it's just physically uncomfortable Mm -hmm. yep you have the sense that everybody knows what's happening sees smells what's happening to your body like it just feels so (laughs) awful
0: and then also like when she was possessed, Reagan said things that were so sexually explicit. My God. Like... Okay. So the first time I ever watched this movie was actually with my mom. And uh... Oh my God. <laughs> so uncomfortable. What
1: did your mom think you were going to be watching? What did she think the movie The Exorcist was about?
0: My mother is a lovely Catholic woman. And okay. uh, I think we thought we were going to see like a Catholic victory story. Oh, you know? sure. Like, um. And that's one thing I didn't realize growing up is that, like, Catholics are not very... They're not a large community in the United States. Yeah, right. And, like, the fact that John F. Kennedy was Catholic mm-hmm. was weird to some people. Yep. And I never knew that mm-hmm. until I was older. But then, like, seeing The Exorcist, I was like, oh, I guess I get what people, you know.
1: <laughs> well, that's true. Actually, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that because uh, my grandma had told me years ago that... Um, that, that she recalls even that there were white supremacist groups that targeted Catholics, like mm-hmm. Italian Catholics, which is not something that I had known, in addition to, obviously, like, like in more northern states. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a clan chapter in Menominee where she grew up and she said they they'd like terrorize Catholics. so wow. and probably also native people and anybody else they decided to terrorize. but um, but yeah, that's it's interesting to think about like that's like that is in, like its own community. and so there's there's a sense of like mystery and and all of that surrounding a community that's Mm. different, especially in it like an Italian, like it's a close community. And so Mm -hmm. that's what's portrayed in this movie, too. Mm
0: -hmm. And can we talk about that priest? Oh, my gosh,
1: (laughs) he's dreamy. And they want us to think he's dreamy. Like they have him boxing and running and sweating. And
0: yeah, part of me wonders if this was just like a a PR stunt for
1: maybe Catholicism. We're sexy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or are we supposed to feel uncomfortable with the fact that we find the priest attractive? I don't know.
0: I never am. (laughs) But yeah, also, so in this film, there was a lot of, like, science versus religion. Mm, mm -hmm. And what's interesting is in the beginning, when the mom, uh, Chris, is trying to go about, like, getting an exorcism, Mm -hmm. uh, Father Karras is like, nah. We don't do that, right. no. That no. I'm a psychiatrist, right. you know, and I go back and forth between like, is it critical of religion or is it critical of like psychiatry, and what are they trying to say?
1: Oh, uh, right, it, that is interesting, and they they don't, I, I they don't spend a lot of time with per- pursuing the you know a, a psychiatric like uh, solution or uh or remedy i mean they they spend all of this time right on these exhausting horrible painful violent tests Mm -hmm. in the way and and i don't know if you remember that one of the doctors at some point is like well any reasonable psychiatrist would tell you to exhaust the somatic possibility like what an asshole first of all like that's (laughs) how you are talking to this woman who's crying and in trauma and her daughter's experiencing you don't even know what in the other room but um, but then how long do they really even spend on psychiatry because they bring in a psychiatrist who's also obnoxious and horrible Mm -hmm. and when Reagan grabs him really hard like by the balls you don't really feel that bad for him No, Um, but that's really the only time where they're distinctly pursuing like Father Karras tries to interview her but even there it's it's still um, we're moving towards you know, like a spiritual solution. So how much time do we actually spend just thinking about um, you know, addressing this as something psychological? Um, not not really very much time. Yeah. And I will um, admit
0: it would be hard to stick with like psychiatry when you see a bed flying, you know, I would be like Yeah. Oh, yeah, God.
1: she I mean she really wants to say like I we've been down this road. I'm trying yeah. to tell you that this is not <laughs> this is not any of these things that you're telling me. Yeah, um, but I have
0: to say also the movie then it does paint like the church as like that, um, you know, paternal. Come back to Papa, we'll fix you. Kind of kind of imagery in the film.
1: Yeah. Well, sure, especially with uh, Father um, Marin, this, mm-hmm. you know, who's you know we we meet him in the beginning of the film. Um, You know, when when he joins, it's like, suddenly we feel at ease. Like, oh, he's going to fix this. He's done this before. We
0: saw him in a foreign land, so Mm -hmm. obviously he knows stuff. Right.
1: He's wise. (laughs) He's wise to the world. It's possible he's also contributed to releasing this thing into the world, but we don't worry about that by the end of the movie. It's like, whatever. It's Mm -hmm. fine. Like, it's... And that's also, like, so typical right about a male character or just men right like you created the problem so only you can fix it right of (laughs) course and you alone right Mm -hmm. right this literally like super tall looming man who's coming (laughs) to the room like he's tall tall white-haired man Uh,
0: um, I was curious because the mother is an actress and in the first like one of the first scenes of the film you see her like She's playing a principal of a school.
1: I think she's. Uh, I think she's involved in the college in some way, like as a professor, administrator, or something. I don't think they're clear about what her role is there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was confused about that the first time I saw because I couldn't quite understand what was happening. And if you look at the at the protest signs, they're protesting uh, like the military coming onto campus, mm-hmm. which is interesting. They don't really talk about that. Um, but uh, she's saying something like, like, what did she say? Like, we all care about human rights, for God's sakes. Yeah, duh. <laughs> and then, but then she's making the argument like, you have to let students come into this building. And so I don't know if she's saying to the protesters like, you have to move aside or, or it's a little bit confusing what she's trying to say. But I think maybe it's meant to be because... Um, so Father Caris is out, like in this crowd of people just watching the filming, like he's a fan, mm-hmm. and we see him then walking away with his briefcase. He's like going to work while they're finishing filming this, what we f- I think is the final scene of this film, and uh, uh, he, she, you can hear Chris M- McNeil's character saying in the background. Um, Something about we have to fight within the system.
0: Affect any change. To affect any change, you have to do it within the yes. system. I knew you'd love that line. Which <laughs> is
1: so interesting because then later, right, she's got to really, like, reevaluate that, and so does Father Karis.
0: Mm-hmm. It's interesting that they laid it out right in the front.
1: Right. Yep. Yep. I love that.
0: So I have to say, like, I love... Reagan as a um, the duality of her character within mm. this movie. Probably one of my favorite scenes of all time is the dinner party scene.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah! Where
0: she goes to bed, sweet little girl, and then comes back down and is like, "You're gonna die up there," and just pisses all over. The <laughs> right. world, like, Here's your fancy dinner party. <laughs>
1: Right, yeah. She says that specifically to the astronaut, he's like probably the person who in some ways has the most, st- most status, mm-hmm. right? Like everybody's mm-hmm. probably very interested in talking to the astronaut. Um, and yeah, she targets him specifically and he looks really startled and uncomfortable, <laughs> <laughs> does not know what to say to this child. And of course, her mother's like, I'm sorry, she's been sick, which is always the excuse every parent gives for their behavior no matter what it is.
0: Mm-hmm. So have have you used
1: it? I'm sure I have. <laughs> I can't distinctly recall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure I will in the future. So. Mm-hmm.
0: I also yeah. wondered if you thought like this like the possession of Reagan was a statement on like single parent homes mm-hmm. in the 70s, you know. Yeah.
1: Maybe. I mean, it's it's hard to imagine now that that would be a significant uh critique necessary just because divorce is very common, or just having children as a single person is mm-hmm. much more common, but uh, maybe. I mean, there's there's some mention of her father who we never see. Uh, I don't think we even learn his name that mm-hmm. I can recall, um, and he's completely uh, absent, doesn't call her on her birthday. That's one of the scenes, and that's one of the scenes that also establishes that Reagan um, like... It doesn't have a perfect life. Like in the earliest scene, we see her interacting with her mom and she's talking about seeing a horse and she wants a horse. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's cute and they have these sweet moments and then you see that she's, um, you know, that this, this does cause her pain. Like they're supposed to go out on her birthday and do things and you see her go back into her room and take her shoes off and it's heartbreaking because mm-hmm. she's just accepted that her mom's just going to be on the phone yelling about her dad being... You know, mm-hmm. um, a complete failure of a father. Um, so I think, I think that's that's in part that it's relevant, and that we see that that's part of what causes Reagan pain. Um, and something that she's struggling with, but yeah, it also comes up again then in a in a in a way that feels judgmental of the mother, Chris McNeil, because Father Caris asks her, "Have you told her father about what's happening?" And she kind of looked at him like N- she and she says, "Well, no." And mm-hmm. and and I feel like I understand her reaction because. Of course not. Like he has no interest in her. He's not going to do anything. What would that accomplish? What What could he do? Yeah. Um, but uh, it's and it's clear. also
0: like ascribing power to the male figure, automatically, Right. right. Which is rude.
1: Right. right. Like as, as she, I mean, Chris McNeil has taken her to every specialist in like on the Eastern Seaboard at this point. Has like pursued every possibilities. There's nothing more than anybody else could have done. And so, yeah, you have to wonder what is the father going to show up and do? Mm -hmm. Like, just talk her out of this bad behavior? Like, (laughs) offer to buy her that pony she was talking about in the first scene? I mean, I yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, But I think, and then I think that's the last that we hear of him. Mm -hmm. Um, But that I think you know you have to wonder then. How would, the, how would the parents have been treated the parents versus the single mother even though she's a, an actress she has some status and power through that There's a, earlier in the film like we hear about her getting an invitation to the White House for a party and yet she still has all of these doctors talking to her like she doesn't know anything mm-hmm. um, and, that they ne- and that she needs to give uh, just relinquish her power to them that they're gonna, that they're going to make decisions but she rejects that she mm-hmm. rejects that all the time Um, throughout the film Um, you know she continues to advocate for her daughter um, and to not uh, like dispose of her in some facility where um, she doesn't believe that she's gonna get care and I think it's interesting the um, you know they try to when she mentions something about I'm not gonna throw I can't remember what the word she uses um, but it has a very negative connotation about what a psychiatric facility would be and but the context we have for a psychiatric facility um, in the movie is this horrible place that Father Karras' mother was in? This mm-hmm. terrible place where women are like half-dressed and they're moaning and in agony and strapped they're to no, beds. Yeah, literally strapped to beds, and it's it's awful. Um, and so I think maybe we're meant to also think about that when that's referenced later um, by by these psychiatrists. Um, and it's something that Father Karras feels horrible about that his mother You're was right. ever in a place like that. You're he right. has a lot of guilt about that.
0: I wonder if that is what really won him over to like performing this exorcism.
1: Interesting, yeah. Yeah, right, because he's not sold by what he's seen, necessarily. Mm-hmm. But it seems that he's more persuaded in just talking with the mother and hearing mm-hmm. from her how much she wants to fight for her daughter. So
0: They're just briefly attacked by kitties who are <laughs> rubbing their faces on everything and being, oh, so cute and annoying. Very cute though, yes, um, um, but yeah, yeah, back to Father Kiris and having this um, connection with the mother mm-hmm. Chris, yeah, because um, okay, so in the final scenes of the actual exorcism, he leaves, he can't take it anymore because right, Reagan is portraying as yes. his mother, yep,
1: yep, she has uh, she uses his mother's voice. Damn me, damn mm-hmm. me! Why you do this to me? I can just hear that. That's, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So that's right. That affects him so much that he, right? He, the father. It's Father Marin who actually tells him to leave yeah. because he's useless at this point because he's been basically compromised by the demon who's manipulated him through his it's mother. So good
0: at manipulating. Yeah. Um, so he comes out into the hallway. And then Chris approaches him and says, "Is it done?" Mm-hmm. And I think she sees, he sees like the fear and agony in yeah. her face, and like he goes back in there. Right,
1: right. Uh, yeah, but, I hadn't thought about that. That's right. That's yeah. who he's responding to in this movie more than anyone. It's to the mother. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta believe women. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Father Karras. <Charis>. Yes. <laughs> my God. So, um, yeah, yeah. And then he and then he goes back in, and and there's uh, Father Marin slumped over the bed he's apparently died well he's died um and we don't know exactly what's happened i mean he's been attacked by uh the the demon through reagan um but he's also in very poor health you see that like in the beginning of the movie Mm -hmm. um so he's like taking pills for something and um so he's you know so we're not maybe not surprised then when when father caris goes into the room and and Doctor Marin is dead, although he's shocked by it, um, and I think feels very lost at that for, for a moment, um, and afraid. Mm-hmm. Father Marin dying. Um, where is the where is the authority of the church then? Because in some ways, um, Father Karras knows that he needs that through um, uh, Father Marin, because Father Marin is is the exorcist. He 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 is imbued with the power. Uh, of of performing exorcism, he has the the skills. He right like that's his sort of part of his profession mm-hmm. um, as a priest. And he's he's dead. And and Father Caris is left, you know, still f- deeply disturbed by having heard his mother's voice, um, afraid for Reagan and for her mother. And and this is the moment in the film that I think is so interesting and and tells us a lot about what we're supposed to think, not only about um, not science so much, but just like the medical field and the and practitioners and and um, their own confidence and sense of importance and their own arrogance. Um, mm-hmm. There's almost like a little bit of uh, like Mary Shelley in this. I think like some gothic science fiction where we're not necessarily challenging science, but those who practice it and what their motivation is oh. and what their relationship is to humanity. Uh-huh. And um, I might be reaching there, but um, and so he, so it isn't through the power of the church, it isn't through the sanctity of the church, it isn't through the practice of exorcism, it isn't through the ritual that he frees Reagan of this possession. It's through his empathy. Mm-hmm. He he asks for. He pleads with this demon to come into him. He says, "Come into me," mm-hmm. and he and it overtakes him. And I think his plan, from you know, from the moment he says that, is to sacrifice himself, which is what he does. He he throws himself out of a window, which is something that's happened in a in a previous scene um, where somebody who is in the house is thrown from a window and dies, and he's aware of that. So it seems like we have a sense that he's thinking about that in the moment that he invites this this demon, this possession to take over him and to, and to free Reagan of that. Um, so it's, 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 a, it's a moment of, of compassion and empathy. It's not uh, that he's arrived at the right uh, ritual. It's not that he has said the right thing to the demon to, to exorcise it from Reagan. Um, and I think, and that's really, that's really powerful. And again, it's about the relationship that he has to Reagan and her mother at this point, um, and his relationship to his own mother that are all part of his decision to do that. Um, and to me, that's also what just makes this an important movie. Um, I, I know it's full of, horrific gore and there's sexual violence that I hate although oh, yeah. it's there's a critique there that is more interesting than in a lot of films that employ sexual violence as also like a device to trigger people mm-hmm. um, which I don't care for yeah no. um, but it's uh, but there's also what's important in I think every great horror film and it's that people, survive through creating community. They survive by creating relationships in which they care for one another. That's what's so great about like this plethora of like zombie films now, like uh, in television and films that are made, that, that that's what people learn. That Like the great thing about any really great horror film is that everybody realizes that when shit breaks down, all of these like official structures, these, these uh, state functions, an institutions break down. They, mm-hmm. they they turn in on themselves, they collapse. They're 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 not there to like truly protect people, right? To mm-hmm. serve or protect people. Mm-hmm. And what people have left is, is one another and their uh, commitment to surviving together.
0: You just hit the nail on the head Why I love horror movies Yes, I
1: figured that was mm-hmm. How we're in this together <laughs> um, Yeah, so I, I think there's like, a, like Every great horror film uh, You know, there's I I'd mentioned like I have this like anarcho-feminist critique Of The Exorcist And I was sort of kidding But it's sort of there And mm-hmm. I think it is in every Again, like in every great horror film Has that mm-hmm. Or it's not a great film
0: Yeah so magical when the characters realize there's something inside themselves that can lift themselves up. Right. Yep. And that's why I also love organizing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That we are what we need. Mm-hmm. That we are what we're looking for.
0: Exactly. And I found that a lot growing up in the punk scene.
1: Mm. Um, you know,
0: so much of that DIY punk.
1: Yes. Mm. Yep. Good
0: place. <laughs> I'm curious, what are your favorite moments
1: of this film? I love the horrible polyester fabrics that everybody's wearing. I feel like that sounds so uncomfortable and flammable. Um the the scenes in the movies movie itself I mean because they I think they film it and I don't know if they're filming it in Georgetown that's where they're supposed to be but it's like physically beautiful I love the scene where she's walking in the early in the movie where she's walking from the film set just walking home and she's passing like children and ordinary homes like I love to see just like real things in movies like real mm-hmm. neighborhoods um, and also just to imagine like the interaction of like like here's the there's like they're filming this film in a film in a real place on like a real campus. It's kind of interesting to see that. Um, I like all the scenes with Father Karras. I love Me him. Too. He and like
0: <laughs> especially the shirtless one. Oh my gosh.
1: Everything. Yeah, when he's talking with the other priest, when he's talking with the detective who's in the movie in a couple of mm-hmm. scenes, who's investigating um, not very thoroughly, from what I can tell. He's <laughs> just like, so, like horrible murder, and he's like, I'll come back later. Yeah, I can I get you know, your yeah. autograph? Um, and uh, yeah, so, but where he's like taunting the priest um, to try to get information from him, and Father Karras is like, whatever, mm-hmm. like just completely uninterested in whatever threats this guy has to make. Um, I love those scenes. I, when I was a kid, I, I, I really loved that first scene. Uh, those first scenes with uh, Father Marin when he's in northern Egypt. Um, mm, and it's yeah. so, I mean, it feels very exotic to me. And, and I, I love the images of the archaeological dig. and. And because it was so different, um, I, I, like, there, there was something that, um, there, you're already feeling some anxiety in this film, I think, as if you're watching this from, like, rural Wisconsin, because you're just seeing, like, things that look very different. And, I also
0: noticed they, like, zoom in and held for a moment on, like, two men holding
1: hands. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like... Oh no! <laughs> and also, I can't remember. How, there's like one woman that I can distinctly recall in 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 those scenes in the beginning. It's a woman who's um in a carriage, oh, yes. like she's blind maybe, mm-hmm. um, but she's staring at Father Marin, and that's interesting. Like there's this moment that they share in which like she's almost run him over in her carriage, and then she like looks at him, like in this sort of pl- not plaintive, maybe like like she's in trying to trying to communicate something I it's it's a it's a this moment that lingers long enough that there's a sense that something's being communicated um but not that he necessarily he's just seemed startled Mm -hmm. um so that's um but I loved those scenes when I was a kid because I also just thought I probably because I loved like Indiana Jones and stuff too so just like the image of like an archaeological dig was also interesting just some really kind of gorgeous scenes too there are things that I find really difficult to watch. I've never, I think, just watched without turning my head a little bit the scene with the crucifix. I knew,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah it's
1: yeah. hard. And when she grabs her mother, like there's like, like an assault that happens on like a couple of different levels, um, in which, uh, you, you know, it's just, it's, it's, there's a lot happening there and it's really hard to watch. Um,
0: yeah, I knew it was coming. And I still was like,
1: Jesus Christ. Right. It's funny, too, because I hear so many people talk about, like, the pea soup and all the, like, projectile vomiting. And that's gross. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, that hardly compares to the profoundly disturbing scene. And maybe people just don't even want to talk about it. Um, Because there is a lot of gore. Like, horrific gore.
0: I would take throwing up over thrashing my vagina
1: any day. Yeah, like, right? In a right. there's not even a thought there. Like, yeah, 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 it's, uh, it right. And I had to wonder, too, like, did they take her to the doctor after that? <laughs> like, she stays in this room. I don't know how she hasn't died of sepsis already. Yeah, no
0: bathroom breaks, it seems like. I don't too. know, Maybe like, how
1: is she eating? Suspended. She also <laughs> should be paralyzed because her head spins around all the yes. way, but she seems okay after that. <laughs> it's awful. This is what the assault on this young person body is it's absolutely horrific and the image of her um asking for help like we yeah. see that like let the letters rising up on her stomach and it's a moment where a uh, sharon who's another character who's important in the film in various ways um has called father caris because it's really uh you know it, the central characters are you know Reagan, her mother, but also Sharon, this assistant who's like there throughout the film. Um, we don't her character isn't developed. We don't know her last name. We think she's an assistant, mm-hmm. um, but she like she sticks with the situation. Like who like nobody could like that's like the dream assistant. I assume mm-hmm. like who would who would stick with you through your child's possession by the devil. Um, I was just wonder if they
0: were like more of a partner
1: I wonder because they seem intimate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, there has to be, yeah, you feel like there's more there. They're definitely, like, a, a family in some way. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I think that's interesting, too. So, uh, But then she does, like, at the end, like, yeah, yeah, completely forgivable when Chris mm-hmm. McNeil is like, so are you sure you won't change your mind? And that's when you know that Sharon's like, but I'm done now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm moving on. Oh, man, well, this
0: has been really wonderful. Um, I'm excited yeah. that this will be released on Halloween. woo Yes.
1: Everybody, go watch The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. You can any, find uh, it somewhere, I'm sure. Any final thoughts on The Exorcist? Oh gosh, I mean, I'm sure I'll think of them later. As uh, home, right? Call me. Yeah. No, I mean, I think the the thing that I that struck me most is something that I hadn't thought about before, and that I I enjoy so. Uh, thank you so much for inviting to me to be on your awesome podcast because I am a fan. Um, but I, it was great too because I. I was more intentional about thinking about it when I was watching it a couple days ago. And this particular theme that, uh, of th- that I'll, I'll describe as abolitionist, this idea of not disposing of people, of figuring out how to heal um, felt, uh and to do that within community, within family, um, felt really important to me, in a w- and I thought about it in a way that I hadn't before. And, and it's a little bit of a side note, um, and I know that this is about the movie, but there is actually a television series called The Exorcist now, mm. and it's interesting. In the first season, there's a, there's a convent, actually, where um, there are women who are, trying, who are performing exorcism, which they're not supposed to do because they're not priests. Um but they have a they have a different uh, strategy that they're using where a different technique where they're actually trying to, they describe it as redeeming the demon, like ter- returning the demon to its humanity. Hmm. And that they talk about how they actually they lose more people who are possessed or they lose fewer because they convince the demon to, to, to leave and like and to like return to whatever, form or humanity it may have had you know prior to being a demon and I thought that was sort of and I thought it was interesting because it made me think about restorative justice practices mm-hmm. and the idea that even the demon is is like worth redeeming like even that thing that we think we have to that we have to isolate and remove for from ourselves is something that could also have value mm-hmm. um if we could understand what it is and 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 learn to 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 sort of love the wholeness of ourselves and, and, and to have, to understand what's problematic about ourselves is something that we have to address as like an accountability issue within like family or community. So I'm totally projecting all over the place on that. No, I love it. But I think that it's not something that's developed in the film really, because the demon is definitely like bad and something we want to get rid of. Mm-hmm. But in this, it, it's worth watching this uh, at least the first season because um, it's 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 all it's all the strong characters are women and. Mm-hmm. Chris McNeil played by an actress who is famous whose name I can't think of right now um is is in Returns oh, and it's cool. real it's like there's some callbacks that if you watch the movie it's like you're rewarded watching this series because you you meet these characters again that
0: sounds wonderful Do yeah. they use the music too
1: they don't that I can, I can recall I and the right? and the music <laughs> is so great yeah yeah, I don't remember who I probably because I never knew probably who who uh, who created that music, but it's perfect. Mm-hmm. And it like we like t- it, we have tension even though she's taking this leisurely walk. We're aware like something's wrong because yeah. we're hearing this music. We know something's off.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I feel Like so many good movies from our childhood had that music. Yeah. Or like even the Twilight Zone too. Mm-hmm. Like Twilight oh, Zone. Oh, totally. Jawa's, uh, Halloween you on
1: edge right right
0: awesome well it's been a blast having you
1: thank you um, are
0: there any like future events coming up or um, things you want people to know about
1: yeah well I mean there's so much happening in Chicago but uh, specifically for um, uh, Moms United uh, every year uh, for the last four years we've done a, a gift drive in solidarity with incarcerated um, mothers in Illinois. So we uh, need to generate about 1,400 donations um, of toys and things appropriate for teenagers um, so that moms who are incarcerated can give a gift to their child. Um, So it's it's a little different because a lot of toy drives are about like this non-for-profit organization giving gifts, giving toys to children, which is great. That's, you know, that's good. Uh, I think toys are like a human right but um, yeah. the but what we what we do is uh, we 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 send uh, the gifts to um, like Logan and Decatur and Cook County Jail and um, a number of places where then when kids come to visit their mom, their moms have a gift for them. So it's it's from their mom through us. Mm-hmm. Um, so that we have we use Amazon because that's the, really the only way to um, to do this with so many gift donations. Um, even though I don't love Amazon. Um, and they're listening. <laughs> loves Amazon.
0: They can come in your house now. <laughs>
1: I watched The Exorcist on Amazon Prime three days ago, so I am a huge hypocrite. But yeah, but um, also they should be giving us like some kind of kickbacks because, man, that's a lot of toy donations. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so we we, I uh, generate a list with the help of uh, some young people, actually. Um, and some other moms, and um, so that will be, you'll, it's called Holiday Solidarity, so you'll be able to find the, the, the Toy Drive wish list on as an Amazon list um, by about a week before Thanksgiving, it's usually up, um, and people will be able to find that on the Moms United Facebook page, and on our, our Twitter, at Moms United Chai, and um and so you know anything that folks can do to uplift that um both through donating um but also just sharing it with their network sharing it w- with organizations um you know it'd be great if like community groups can commit to a, you know through their membership like a certain number of donations because um, yeah it's got to be about 1400 um because there are a lot of women incarcerated in in Illinois and everywhere, and it is the fastest growing rate of incarceration in the country, particularly pretrial detention of of mothers. So there's a lot of need. There's a lot of need to get people out of prison and to abolish all forms of incarceration. But as we work to do that, there's a need for us to support one another in community and to do everything we can um, to support survivability. Um, so that we can work together towards abolishing um, all forms of incarceration, and that's to the extent that we can support um, people who are incarcerated, um, we can support them to be part of that. Um, and that's one of the reasons why the toy drive is so important in the way that we do it, because it's about it's about mothers being able to do something so simple and yet so important for their kid. You know, to give them a gift at a like at a significant time of year, birthday or. Or Christmas, or whatever holiday. So that's the main thing that we have coming up. There are other things that are going to be happening. Um, you know, we always accept donations for Reunification Ride, and there's a You Caring um, page that's on the Reunification Ride Facebook page. And, uh, but the, yeah, those are the two, two main things that are coming up in the next month or so.
0: Wonderful. Thank you for sharing about yes. the useful work that Thank you do. Thank you.
1: Uh,
0: and we'll have all those links in the write up of the episode. Yay. Uh, and, uh, it's been so great having
1: you yes this is fun I appreciate this podcast so much and this was great oh. this was super fun
0: that's been Holly Craig I've been Kristen Lighty and this has been Bloody Mary have a good night
1: why are you creeping?